0: quality over quantity. We focus instead of sending how many of our emails we're sending, send 20. Send 20 in a week. Take 30 minutes if you need to, to be able to send one email to one really great person. How you're going to make the juice worth the squeeze is to think about the highest ranking person that you are going to have to involve in this conversation that's relatively well enough connected. So we're not going to the CFO, but maybe if we typically said sale Hell to heads of sales, or maybe going to the CRO, people don't go to the top titles because they're terrified and they don't know what to say. Those top titles, the higher you go, the more spam they get.
1: Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, bringing forth the new wave of rising leadership and helping leaders find purpose, connection, and results. This is your host, founder of Illuvians, Alex Kremer. What is up and welcome back to the Rising Leader Podcast. And if this is your first time joining us for the show welcome. We are so grateful that you're here. This is your host, Alex Kremer, and I am so grateful and excited to be welcoming our guest today, Miss Samantha McKenna. Samantha, what up? Good to see you. What's up,
0: Alex? Thanks for having me.
1: Of course, of course. (laughs) We have been working on getting this scheduled for a very long time. I've been witnessing just what you've been doing within the tech space now for essentially, I don't even know, seven (laughs) years. Nah, i don't even know very long uh, a while
0: a good while
1: a <laughs> good while and you know i feel like even though this is I, I, technically i'll just share with the audience it's our first time officially meeting here but we've put in a little bit of prep but we've just been interwoven through outreach through watching on linkedin and all that sort of good stuff but I'll first give Samantha a little bit of background on you in terms of who you are. And then uh, I'll let you kind of fill in the gap. So you are the founder and CEO of Hashtag Sales. You oversee a team of all women, which is absolutely awesome. You are a keynote speaker. You are an angel investor. You are an advisor at I don't even know how many tech companies at this point. You're a former head of sales at LinkedIn. You are a guest lecturer at Northwestern University, the Kellogg School of Management. You've also created global sales programs. You've launched new verticals. You've overseen go-to-market strategy. And one of the things—it's funny—as I've been like doing my research of like what is she like, the thing <laughs> that's popping up is. She brings a lot of energy and she's very, very enthusiastic. So I'm like, okay, I have my cup of coffee right here. I'm like, all right, I've got to be ready to go for this podcast right here. No,
0: oh, thanks. I think, the, I think the energy seems to be endless and enthusiasm definitely endless, but I like to keep it light, keep it fun. Life is too short to be serious and, and uptight. So let's just have a good time.
1: Okay. I'm in for that. So how did I do on the intro, by the way? Did I miss anything that's like, man, you forgot that I do this amazing thing?
0: You killed it. I think the only thing I'll add is that I've done all of these things and made all this money. and gotten all these successes and records broken and all that stuff by doing things differently. So I think just about everything that we teach and everything that I've done is a little bit outside of the norm of what every other person does in sales. And maybe that is why there's been so much success behind it, but something we really pride ourselves on is we shake things up a little bit.
1: Okay, is that just... Part of what hashtag SamSales is, or have you always been doing things differently? That's just like a part of your identity.
0: Always been this way. So, like, I think for lack of better word, I always felt like I knew better than whoever was telling me to do whatever they were telling me to do at work. So, I always kind of carved my own pay and then I would prove the results and probably a little bit of ego there. I would say, see, it worked. You can do things differently. You don't have to do 100 profiles. You don't have to work 90 hours a week to hit your quota. You can just do things a little bit differently. So it's always been my foundation and then building on that. And then I think I kept making all this positive impact at different companies and thought, I'm making all this money for everybody else and making positive impact for just one company. So what can I do if I play on my own? And that's how Sam Sales was born almost four years ago.
1: Okay. Okay. So let's dive into that. So four years ago, you started it. Let's even go back further than that. Sales. It's a big thing that you preach. It's a big part of what your brand is, from being a speaker to to actually the go-to-market programs, all that sort of stuff. Why sales?
0: (laughs) I think if you follow my future husband, Cooper Bro, he's got this great video. He knows about my love affair. It's fine. He made a disaster this year. I'm very excited going to be fine. Totally not freaking out. But if you follow him, he has this great video. It says somewhere along the way, you screwed up. He uses a different word and you ended up in sales, right? And I feel like a lot of us feel that way. I will say I got into sales really reticently. There is a brand that sales that we're all trying to change, right? It seems skeevy and manipulative and aggressive and all that stuff. And it's actually such a fabulous profession, but it has such a bad brand. And so I had that false perception when I got into sales, but I said, I'm going to take this job. I negotiated for $5,000 more of annual salary, very wisely. I was really proud of myself back then. And when I got into the role, I had this great teacher who basically said, you know, people aren't taking calls with you (laughs) for their health. They're not bored. They're taking calls with you because they have a challenge they're looking to solve. And when I heard that, thank God I learned it early in my sales career, it really changed the lens for me that that is what we're doing. People have issues and challenges and things that they're looking to improve on. And if we're selling something that isn't super transactional, we have such an opportunity to be consultative, to hear what their issues are, and just to guide them to make better decisions and get better results. So I love that about sales. We can represent something we're really passionate about, hopefully. And we can make an impact in people's lives and their success and all of that
1: stuff with whatever we're selling. So when you initially got into sales, did you ever have the experience? You're like, man, why am I doing this? This is so (laughs) stressful. I got this looming big ass quota hanging over my head all that sort of time. i got these, you know, not so nice all the time prospects who are hurting my feelings, whatever it might be like. How has your experience of sales, I guess, evolved from the tough times and also the high points?
0: Yeah, I think I was so ashamed to be in sales uh, at the beginning that I tried to change my title to business development. I was like, that's so much more elegant and refined than sales. So that was one thing. I don't think it was so much the job function for me. I was terrified. Like I had exceptional parents when I was growing up that led not by fear, but the ultimate thing that motivates you by disappointment. And so for me, being somebody that disappoints the people that are counting on me is like just the absolute worst thing on the planet. So what I was nervous about is that somebody... My executives were putting their trust in me with the quota and with our accounts and bringing in revenue. And what if I just didn't do it? It was something that I felt I couldn't control in those early days. I didn't know about quota math. I didn't know how to prospect that quickly. I didn't know about number of outbound calls I needed to make in order to succeed. I didn't know any of that stuff. I had no traditional bringing in sales, I guess. Give me the challenges and the hustle and the grind and all that crap all day long. I just want to make sure that whoever's trusting me to do a job, that I'm I going to do it. That I'm going to do it really, really well. I'm not much of an over underperformer. I'm always, how can I do more? And that scared the shit out of me, to be frank.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you said something earlier that is really important that it's not a hard thing to embody of how do you actually as a sales professional truly just mean well and want to add value to somebody? Yeah. Because I think... You know, many sales reps, I'm gonna call them sales reps, not sales professional sales reps say, How can I string together the deals in order for me to hit quota so that I can make X amount of money? Mm-hmm. And you do that, whether or not the prospect or the customer realizes it, they feel it. They feel that commission breath coming oh. off, they smell it. It's disgusting. <laughs> but when you are actually showing up and saying, Hey, I understand you have a problem and as a sales professional, you truly believe that you have something valuable that can actually impact the prospect. It's a great feeling of saying, hey, it's actually my responsibility to enroll you into whatever I'm trying to sell you on because I can help you. It changes everything.
0: Think about this though, like every what's the perception that everybody has of salespeople, right? It's kind of the same perception that we have of financial advisors, of car mechanics, and things like that. You're advising us to do something that we probably don't know a lot about for your own financial benefit. And let me say just one thing there. There's a mechanic that I love in my DC area. And I took my car in once. I have an old SUV that I drive around for my Home Depot car and took it in. And they said, hey, six things are wrong with your car. Three of them we can fix. The other three things, even though it's a 2012, there's three things. There's class action lawsuits happening against your manufacturer for. We suspect if you call your dealership and say that, let them know they'll probably fix it for free. What? I mean, I think you think about the perception that when someone is genuinely here to help you and they're treating your money like it's theirs, and they're looking for angles, not necessarily to benefit themselves, but to take care of you, you are going to earn that customer's trust like that, because their expectation is that you're going to come with the complete opposite. So something we say here all the time, you've got a discovery call, your initial 30 minute call where a client gets on with you. Somebody has been generous enough, right? Yes, we're all equally busy, and yes, we all have goals, and yes, our time matters as much. Blah, blah, blah. Somebody's been nice enough to give us thirty minutes of their time to try and understand for to tell us what their challenges are and for us to solve them. That is our job, and I think that's where discovery calls and the sales profession goes so wrong. We show up to qualify. We show up to ask Bant. We show budget authority needed timing. For those who don't know, we show up to ask our 19 list of questions that are super narrow and benefit us. What CRM do you use? How many records do you have? All that stuff. Who gives a shit? If you show up to the call and said to say, "Why did you show up here today? How can I help you?" Much more professionally said. What we're trying to do is, one, understand exactly that, but two, when we ask broad, open-ended questions of what they're going through, not only are we not focusing on product and feature stuff, but we're getting to, to actual business pain, but the amount of verbal unleashing that happens is key, right? So we would show up, right, Alex, you work for Catalyst, and we would say something like, hey, we can tell you a million things about Sam sales. So we do one, two, three that relate to your specific job title. But why don't you tell us, we'd love to hear about Catalyst First. We know this, this, and this about you, right? But tell us about your team, challenges, initiatives ahead. What's the overall landscape like there? I'm asking absolutely nothing about Sam Sales. I just want to know what's going on with you. And usually we get two, three, nine minutes of just verbal unleashing again. And we get everything we basically need to figure out Is this call worth my time? Do you have challenges we can solve? And if not, who can I introduce you to that'd be a better fit for you? I want to win the deal, but if I don't, I wanna be of help to you even still.
1: I, I love that. And it's almost like you have to be willing to say, I'm here just to support you whether or not it's me. And sometimes even the questions in itself are what you're helping them with because you're asking them the questions of, Hey, what is actually the one thing that you're trying to solve for? Yeah. Sometimes when people ask you that question, you're like, "Damn, what is like the one thing I'm actually trying?" I haven't been asked that question before. It helps give clarity in itself.
0: Yeah. We listen to we have a whole line of business dedicated to discovery and like making calls. That are we listen to an inordinate amount of discovery calls at Sam Sales, and then I've done it as a leader, of course, to the nth degree. But after all calls, we'll say, "What was the challenge the buyer had?" And they're like, "Uh," and we're like, "Cool." That is to me, the measure of the call. Did we figure out what their issues are? And I'll tell you the biggest objection we get to them, right? Which is what some of our listeners might be thinking. But I have a job to do and I have a quota to hit. And if I'm just showing up and fluffily asking them what their issues are, how am I going to hit it? Here's the great thing. When you ask overall landscape questions, there's like 17 business challenges that our products or solutions can solve. Even selling a product like reach back in the day. What are your challenges? Is it email conversions? Is it consistency? Is it performance? What is it? Tell us about all of that. Because what we're not going to build is just an email cadence tool for you. We're going to solve all these issues you have. We just need to know that you have them. So what I'd argue to say is by asking, that, not only do you serve yourself better for all the other products that you can now sell to them, other lines of business you can do, you can also introduce them to partners that you have, people that you've established relationships with. And frankly, You're figuring out really quickly how to qualify the call, again, whether it's worth your time. Because let's say somebody shows up and says, Sam, we would love for you to teach us the Sandler method. And I would say, boof, why? I mean, that's not our jam. I can refer you away. But if I can get to that really quickly, right, then I can understand motivations, qualifications, budget, all without ever having to ask those kind of salesy questions. No passion for this whatsoever, Alex. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I feel it. Yelling over here. No, I'm loving it. So, you know, it's funny because I used to have an old manager's name is David Rubenstein. He was at Outreach. And whenever we would do deal reviews, the first question he'd always ask is, so what's the problem we're solving?
0: Yeah.
1: And he said it so much that by the time when like my 80th deal review with him, he'd be like, hey, what's the problem? I'm like, DR, listen, man. We're like, trying <laughs> to sell this damn product here. I don't care. But it, it ingrained it into my mind. It was like, hey, don't forget, we're trying to solve the problem because actually at the end of the day, even if you get really far in the deal process, at the end of the day, the CFO and the CEO or the CEO, whoever it is who needs to sign off on it, if you don't actually have a problem that we're solving for, as soon as that deal goes south, You have nothing to fall back on because you don't actually know.
0: And you think about this too, like where this is where the art of selling really comes into play. You think about the challenge that person has, the initial individual you're talking to, and then you start to think about our feature, our benefits. But what most reps don't do, what the elite sellers do, is figure out the so what. What is the so what of how we're solving that challenge? Because what we often hear is our product is better. We have awesome integrations, we're cloud-based. So what, so what, so what, so what? And then your buyer persona, the person that is kind of running you through the deal, who are the other 16 people that they're relying on? What is the so what for them? What's the so what for the CFO, who is more and more and more involved in deals these days than ever before? You have to talk to somebody who has fiduciary duty and fiscal responsibility organization. And you're coming to them and saying, hello, I would like half a million dollars for 300 seats for your sellers for outreach. And the CFO is going to say, we'll pay you a dollar. And then you're like, well, shit. So you have to think about that. The so what for all of the people that are participating, particularly the people that hold budget, that don't give a crap about the so what. So you already have for the others.
1: Mm-hmm. So in the background of your office here, I see a picture of you and it says, show me, you know me. And all over your website, it also says, show me, you know me. And it's got a little trademark signal <laughs> right there too. Tell me what that is. Show me, you know me.
0: Let's honestly talk about the origins of this tagline. So uh, we, you and I have a mutual friend in common, a gentleman by the name of Lee Cohen. And Lee was a mentor of mine. Like in 2012, I got to know Lee. And Lee was talking about personalizing the experience with our clients. And he's like, you have to show them you know them. And I'm like, I'm like, ooh, it rhymes. I like it. It's catchy. So I started to say it. And then I kept saying it and kept saying it It became part of our brand that we trademarked it. And Lee was like, excuse me. And I'm like, hey, I'll give you some royalties. Um, He's let us run with it, though. But here's the thing. At the simplest level, it's just doing some research and understanding something about your buyers as people Like the human being that they are, not the wallet share that they have, who your buyers are, what their challenges are, something about the company, have they worked with you in this space before. Are they previously churned client? What do we know about the person in the company that we're talking to? And to me, this bleeds through the very first email we send, the very first subject line that we have, right? That's actually personalized and not Alex plus Sam initial conversation. My God, more quick question.
1: That subject line doesn't work
0: please, for the love of Let's just send those to the graveyard. And this is true. When you've had a client for 10 or 20 years, what do we know about them? And you think about just what the standard is right now. The bar is so low in sales. Every time we get on calls, 99% of the discovery calls we listen to, we hear a couple of things like this. Hey, Alex, how's it going? Where are you based? How long have you been there? Where did you work before Catalyst? And All people do is die inside because it's clear you did absolutely no homework. My favorite is when people ask what brought me to Sam Sales. And I'm like, well, I started it, man. (laughs) So that's what brought me here. Think about this. We can do baseline research. Who this person is, how long they've been there, have they been promoted, where do they work, do you have common connections, baseline research, right? Also, this is how we stand out amongst all the noise of every email that's out there. We think about the email subject line being the most important part. We preach this every single day. If you are an executive leader, if you are a Kevin or a Mark at Catalyst, you are getting 15, 20, 30 sales emails a day, a day. It's wild. How do you stand out? What do you do to be different? So we talk about doing that research, finding common connections, finding things you can authentically connect on. And if there is absolutely nothing except a tumbleweed going past on their LinkedIn profile, go to the company page. We just did a deal with Apollo.io. And when we're talking to Apollo, if I had showed up on my call and I had said like, how's funding going for you guys? And they would look at me with their eyes crossed and they would say, it's great. We just announced a hundred million today. And we'd look like an idiot. So find those things that you can find something on, connect authentically and stand out from the noise. Here's the great part. Your email will infinitely be more likely to be open. Like We usually see 75% to 80% open rates, reply rates, usually in the 20%. If you think about it, industry averages are 0.9%, not even a percentage point for a reply. So if we can get an open, we can get a reply. We're getting out of the yes or no territory. We're, we're getting out of the maybe territory. We're getting to a yes or a no. And even if it's a no, was it a no right now? Is it a no forever? Is it no because circumstances? Can we politely push back? Can we connect on LinkedIn? Can we nurture you? Can we meet in 90 days? Like the benefit of that. And the maybe the fluffiest of all, you build a positive brand. And they see you as a seller that's not like quick question, but instead of somebody who just gave a shit, sorry for cursing again, but gave a shit and did your research. And again, the company name also gets a positive brand. So lots of win-wins there. And also, again, no yelling or on my side.
1: So first off, very supportive of the cussing if that's what <laughs> you helps you be talking <laughs> about this. So let's talk about that. So I love the show me, you know me outbounding. You just kind of mentioned that right there. Outbounding is one of the hardest, in my opinion, that it's ever been. There's so much noise out there. One can argue that chat GPT has given everybody and their mother something to write a very good tailored email with and virtual assistants are doing it. I mean, it's, it's going bananas right now. Here at Catalyst, I'll tell you, we've seen our email response go down, but our email response to meeting being booked go down quite a bit.
0: Hmm.
1: We've also seen our call answer rate go down quite a bit as well. So outbounding, is it dead? Is it alive? Is it just people who are working with SAM sales, the only ones who actually have outbound? How does the world do outbound in this new age?
0: I think that it is always going to be a mix of things that you have to do, plain and simple. And so there's different mediums that you have to use. I think where it really comes down to it is if you think about the full emails mixed with building brands on LinkedIn, like Catalyst does an exceptional job of doing. When you put those two things together, we are constantly staying top of mind in our buyers' minds. We're building positive brand re- brands. We're giving great thought leadership. But to me, outbound is difficult, but it's not as difficult as it needs to be. And I really think it comes down, one, to focusing on quality over quantity, and two, having an honest conversation with your leadership about whether or not they know modern techniques for outbounding. Because here's what I'll tell you, when we talk to senior leaders, when we're talking to third and fourth line managers, when we're talking to CROs, they talk to us about the tactics that their leaders are bringing. And they're like, you know, their strategy for the year is pipeline cleanup. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Or they're saying their That's strategies... Great.
1: This episode is sponsored by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals and sales leaders master the art and the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. We got a phenomenal community of over 30 professionals who are really getting together, not just on what we're here to work on, but to really be with each other and build great friends, relationships, and who knows? we find new wonderful job opportunities. So you got our next Arise Immersion coming February 23rd through 25th this upcoming year. And last time we had over 50 people come to this one. It's going to be bigger, better, stronger, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you are interested, make sure you check out alluviance.co. That's A-L-L-U-V-I-A-N-C-E.co to learn more information. Can't wait to see you there. Their strategy is pipeline cleanup.
0: That is their strategy for success. I'm like, and this is like somebody who's been working there for 27 years. I'm like, you've got to fire this individual immediately and bring in like some fresh blood. Bring in a 30-year-old. Come on. So think about this. Like The other strategies are we're still smiling and dying. We're making 100 calls. A lot of leaders hide behind old tactics because either they're in a culture where they don't have an opportunity to be honest and say, it's been a while since we've done this. We don't know what we're doing with modern practices, or they simply don't know what they're doing, and they don't want to admit it, even if they're in a positive culture. So they'll hide behind the old school methods, 100 cool calls a day, pop, pop, pop. and then they'll say, we're doing the stuff. It must not be us. Product market fit. It's the market. Right.
1: Have if you she been was reading like
0: my diary? No, maybe. Diary. Maybe.
1: Very <laughs> <laughs> okay, Okay. You got me leaning in. So yes, I feel that hiding behind what has worked in the past. Add people to a sequence. If you're not getting response rates, there's obviously something about the content and the sequences that needs to be improved. Okay, outbound email is not working? We just need to be increasing the number of phone calls we do. I'm raising my hand right now. I see myself saying that every day. And you're right. I'm a little ashamed. That is what I am resorting to. So if you have some nuggets, I don't care about the listeners in this answer right here. I care about myself right now with what you're about. Evolutionize my business, please.
0: I got, I got you. So here's what I would tell you: again, quality over quantity. We focus instead of sending how many our emails we're sending. Send 20. Send 20 in a week. Take 30 minutes if you need to to be able to send one email to one really great person. How you're going to make the juice worth the squeeze is to think about the highest ranking person that you are going to have to involve in this conversation. That's relatively well enough connected. So we're not going to the CFO, but maybe if we typically said sale. Hell to heads of sales, we maybe going to the CRO. People don't go to the top titles because they're terrified and they don't know what to say. Those top titles, the higher you go, the more spam they get. And it's all the same stuff. Take a look at their profile, send them something in their profile and their subject line. Let's say if you were reaching out to me, you can see on my LinkedIn profile that I love Barefoot Contessa. I was on a Nickelodeon game show. I have 39 speeding tickets. I live in Washington, DC. I'm originally from Switzerland. You can do all of that, and I'm telling you, as the queens of so, show me, you know me over here, we get zero show me, you know me. It is all the same stuff. It is so easy to sell to us if you make the effort. So what I want to say about that is we teach this to teens all the time, and the really cool part about what we teach is it gets instant results. These BDRs and these AEs, these senior leaders do this. They'll send an email, for an example, to the chief logistics officer of a $3.4 billion shoe company. They send it the day after they learn this is for our clients at Four Kites in Chicago, who we're allowed to talk about, but they'll send this email and then the chief logistics officer of this company, responds in 10 hours to the first email that was show me, you know me. And the result, I'm responding because your email stood out from the noise. And the cool thing about this is, right? Like you even talk about sales training. How do we get adoption? We get adoption not by giving them some Sandler force management, sorry guys, playbook that's 98 steps and 400 pages. You teach them and get reinforcement by showing them something that's a life skill that impacts them and that gets them to say oh my God, it worked. And we're like, we know, go do it again. That's the stuff. Just give a shit about your clients and go high. I'm telling you, if you do this, it'll work. And one more thing to add, and then I'll stop talking. Do three of these emails. So here's my tactic. On a Thursday or a Friday, send that first email to your top tier executive. Send 20 over the course of those two days. Will you get a response? Hopefully, but probably not. Then when do we want to send the second email? Less than 48 hours later, right? We know that that quick hit, especially if we do show me, you know me works and repeat the subject line, no new information. I just want to hit you and say, Alex, since you the below note, I would still be grateful for, it. I would still be appreciative of the chance to tell you about Sam Sales and how we can help Catalyst. Ditch the I'd love to, because it's so overused and everybody's like, I bet you'd love to. Grateful and appreciative are tough, conning them, right? With our, our language there. Then send your third email if you still get nothing. By the way, that second email, Saturday or Sunday, less competition. Most executives are working 6.7 hours a week and according to recent HBR data. Catch them when there's no one else emailing them because nobody else is thinking to do it then. Even though we talk about it, nobody does it. Send your third email if you still get nothing. And then here's my fourth touch. Get on LinkedIn. Send them a connection request. And this is where we're not being pitch slappy. That's with a P, by the way. We're not pitch slapping them. We're going and we're saying, hey, Alex, my name may look familiar as I've sent you a few emails. I would love the chance. I'd be appreciative of the chance. No love. Be grateful for the chance to chat with you about Sam Sales. If you're ever up for a conversation, let me know. Here's what's going to happen. That person now sees you. It's humanized. They know who your common connections are. They can read your about section. They can see you have a brain. They'll go back to your emails. They'll probably respond. But worst case, they accept your connection request because you've actually put something in there. And then worst case, they say, thanks, period. And you're like, or they say nothing, but they accept. And you're like, what do I do now? And then we've got a whole playbook there that we can talk about. But this stuff's not hard. And man, does it work? Because it's different.
1: Mm. So, just so I, I love all these things. I'm taking notes and I'm sending it to my SDR leader as we speak. So <laughs> what I'm hearing from you is go to the highest ranking person that you have or that that's at your target accounts right there. And it, I love what you said. Just give a shit about them. What do they actually care about? And so I, I guess that that sounds really simple. But I'm also I still have questions what does that mean? If I was to shoot that email, like, you know, here at Catalyst, we go after a chief customer officer. Let's just say that. If I was going to go to them, and what would that first email say that would show like, hey, I actually want to know, I-, I give a shit about what you care about. Like, how would I go about doing that to them?
0: Yeah. So I think people also make a mistake. The personalization has to be tied to the relevance of what they care about at work. And I completely disagree. Do not forget that these people are human beings. So if I think of something like, I look at Kevin's profile, right? You're one of your co-founders, or I know Mark, your, I think Mark's your CRO, yeah? I wasn't sure if he had sales CRO, but I know Mark, but let's say I didn't, right? I would find something, Mark is a tougher cookie and tougher not to crack, but let's think about maybe somebody a little bit more open. I would look for something just about their personal life that I can authentically connect on. This isn't, yo, you went to FSU, go Knowles, want to buy our craft? no. It's what about where I used to work, who we have in common, where I used to live, where I live now, my something that you have some authentic connection to. If, again, you can't find that, we'll go to our website. But Let's say you can come up with something that goes in the subject line. So my subject line to myself would be, again, 39 speeding tickets plus barefoot Contessa plus Catalyst. And then you would send it out and I would roll right into it, Sam. 39 speeding tickets, I don't understand how you still have a license. Teach me your ways of negotiation. I could tell a story around that, maybe about my own speeding tickets, or say I have six and I thought that was high, dear God. I hope you have insurance. While I could talk about that all day, what I really want to chat with you about is how a catalyst can support SAM sales. The thing that you want to think about here and the most people miss is that the value proposition that we write is always marketing driven. Every single email that we read because we write sequences as part of our, our business is marketing. Here's what we do. Want to buy some? What we have to think about is the challenge, right? If I'm selling LinkedIn Sales Navigator and I say, Alex, we can service insights for your sellers at the right time, you're going to say, don't care. I have Zoom Info. I have Apollo. I have Google Alerts. I have everything else for that. Don't care. Have it. What challenge can I solve? So think about that for the customer. If you get on these discovery calls, what is the number one thing you happen what's happening in the market? If we are writing sales leaders, we say pipeline, 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 pipeline. Everybody is talking about lack of pipeline and deal stagnation because of the market. We call bullshit. Here's how we can help you. And so you think about that. But the other thing to consider in your email, real quick caveat, as you're hearing me talk, you're like, that's really long. I thought my emails were supposed to be short. Forget all that horseshit as well. Let's come back to this in just a second. When you talk about the value proposition, the other thing you have to think about is the hidden or forthcoming objection. So if I say, hey, we can train your teams on Sales Navigator, which we can, you're going to say, I have a CSM at LinkedIn who can do that. I don't need you. I've got to think about what that objection is that I always hear when I say what we can solve. And I have to get around it in that email because the person's not responding. And even if they do, they're going to expect me to argue. So they probably won't. If they push back, what would you say? Just write that in the first email. You may have a CSM. I realize you probably have something that helps you with churn or mitigate churn for your clients right now. Here's why we're different. And that has to be really, really strong or be a hypothetical that they haven't considered yet that makes them say, huh, we're not doing that. A close on the length piece. You think about somebody like Kevin Chu, right, who is your co-founder. And if we think about, let's just pretend everybody wrote strong challenge-based short emails. Kevin, looks like you're having a hard time with pipeline. That's something that we can do and help you because of XYZ. Interested in more? Let's say he got that 20 times a day. How are we going to stand out and be the one that gets him to be yet to say yes to a meeting. He's not going to say yes to 20, 30 minute meetings every single day, right? There's not enough time of the day. So how do we be the one? I would rather take 90 seconds for him to read a, a really smart, thoughtful email than 16 seconds to say, I have no interest in this. You have got to earn your buyer's time in that email and being sure to say, see, you have pipeline issues. We can solve that. Want to know more? No, you and everybody else. Teach me something. Tell me in this email specifically how you can solve that.
1: That was awesome. That was awesome.
0: Can I be the first guest that like yells the most? Do I get no word for that? I feel like
1: I vibe with it. I'm like, who am I <laughs> Vibration, I'm like okay, we're doing, we're doing this. <laughs> one, one thing I really like that you said is you're overcoming the objection before it comes, and I would almost describe that as the Eight Mile technique. If you've seen the movie Eight Mile, you know at the very end of the rap battle, he says everything that they were going to say bad about him, and then they have nothing to say, and he ends up, you know, winning. The yeah, rap. it's beautiful. Yeah. I'll
0: now I'll steal your one liner like I did. Leaves it's perfect.
1: Yeah. I'm going to have to trademark that Eight Mile technique.
0: Right. It's yours, man.
1: So so let me ask you this, because all this stuff is is really great. One of the things that you are really good at, and I know is a big part of Sam's sales is LinkedIn. You're developing a really strong brand. Now, I would say that's, this has been a big initiative that I've been doing for myself. I've been posting every single day on LinkedIn for the past 10 months. And I've been starting to see like, okay, I'm not only getting a better brand, but I'm actually starting to say like, what the frick am I talking about all this sort of time? And that's awesome. And, you know, I look at a Marcasa Glow, a Kevin Chu, an Edward Chu, right? Our executives have a massive brand on LinkedIn. And I am telling you, that is a differentiator. Let's just say our product was exactly the same as every other product or every other customer growth, customer success platform out there. We will win because of our LinkedIn presence right there. What is crazy to me is how few people are actually doing it. And maybe there might be a small like, oh, look, this person's posting a lot for two weeks and then it's gone. You think about the LinkedIn stuff.
0: It's like you're saying the quote that we always say, your competition is either on LinkedIn and you need to catch up. So if you are Catalyst competition, you need to catch up. Or they're not because they're not. And you have a competitive advantage. Why? It's like knowing that thousands of your prospects are on a trade show floor two blocks down from your offices, your competitors aren't there. And you're like, I don't know if we should do it. Is anything going to come of it? And you're like, oh, my God, run, like light a fire under your ass and move it. Like, let's go. If
1: you're a catalyst competitor, it's totally not.
0: If you're a catalyst, if you're a Sam Sales competitor, please don't come on LinkedIn. We don't want to see you there. Thank you very much. Uh, This is the thing that's amazing, though, like great research from Edelman, right? PR agency that talks about the fact that if your executives go on LinkedIn and they're posting content on LinkedIn, they get nearly 600 percent more reach than anybody else at your company. The fact that you guys have your executives doing it is the smartest, smartest thing that you can do. Second thing, a brand is almost 90 percent more trustworthy by having executive voices on LinkedIn. Here's the thing that's interesting about the shift of LinkedIn over the years. And even LinkedIn is taking notice of this. Audience, 920 million members globally, less than 1% of the people post consistently once a week. Alex, you and I are both in that 1%. But there's no competition here. And that's consistently. The second thing to think about is over half. Over half of those 920 million members are coming into the platform at least once a week for a minimum of five minutes. They are coming in not to be told and not to be sold. They are coming in to read and to learn. It's like you have an account audience, even if you have a 1,000 followers, of people that you can get your message out to, that you can get your thought leadership out to, that you can talk, by the way, not auto-sharing your company content and your blog, no one cares, but an audience that wants to learn your stories and your intel and what we should be doing. I will plug Kevin all day long because he actually shares really smart, meaningful, actionable content. But you also think about you're learning from him as an executive leader, as somebody who's really passionate about the client experience and churn and all that stuff. But you also have the opportunity to share all the personal stories of how people did that. If you're an immigrant, how did you get into the country and what did you do and how did you become a success? By the way, we do this for a living. We build executive brands on LinkedIn, and every single person we're talking C-suite of 40,000 company person companies. We're talking about celebrities we are talking about entrepreneurs who have built 100 million dollar businesses right from nothing. When we talk to them, their backgrounds are bananas, right? Former Hell's Angels as parents, refugees from Iran, arranged marriages, factory workers when they were 19, managing 40-year-old men that had no respect for them. I mean, I hope you have goosebumps because I sure as hell do. And like, you think about the stories. How did you start? How did you find resilience? How did you overcome homelessness to become a C-suite at a Fortune 500 company, for the love of God? People want to read those stories and they don't care if you are the Mark Cubans of the world or if you run a little 13-person sales consultancy out of Washington, D.C. They want to know how you did it. How did you make your first million bucks? How did you get to the success ranks? How did you do it? Tell us. You've got an amazing opportunity to share these stories, thought leadership, teach, promote your brand, promote yourself, and get insane brand exposure for like nothing. And yet, We dump money into sponsorships and LinkedIn ads and Google ads and pay-per-click and SEO. Those days are truly gone. Let your competition continue to do that. Repurpose some of that money. Put it into LinkedIn. We'll wait to see what happens because we'll blow the lid off your success metrics.
1: Well, I'll tell you, it's hard. i'll straight up say it's like it's hard to post every single day i mean there's and there's a few reasons why first off there's some imposter syndrome of like people don't give a shit about what i (laughs) said i'm "I'm an expert on anything and just getting over that hump in itself is really hard and then also when you post something you're like oh man this is going to be a fire post and it gets six likes in two hours you're like Damn, right. Like, I thought this is gonna be better. And that hits. That hits this a feeling of self-worth and all sorts of stuff. My biggest lesson through posting on LinkedIn. So I am a big meditator. I do breath work. I mean it's part of what alluviance is. It's all about the inner game. I mean, truly. My post on LinkedIn every single day, it's a practice. Yeah. practice of, hey, am I speaking from the heart? Or am I trying to put a facade on that makes everybody else believe that I know what the frick I'm talking about? And the ones that's actually speaking from my heart, whether it be vulnerable, whether it be usually the ones that I'm most nervous to click post on are the ones that perform the best.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: But the ones where I'm like, let me tell everybody how good at sales I am. Those are usually the ones that people are like, yeah, you're like every other single person here that actually isn't. And so. It's a practice of posting and also being disconnected from whether or not that post or those series of posts perform. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing is you're freaking doing it every totally. single
0: day. <laughs> I think what I would say first and foremost is no matter how old, junior, senior, tenured, whatever you are, everybody has something to teach somebody else around them. And I think for me, when I first started out my career, my heads of sales and my leadership were all former Dun & Bradstreet legends who had kind of had it with corporate and came to run a $25 million company. And I was working there and I talked about some of the ideas I had and they're like, oh, we've never thought of that. And I'm like, what do you mean? you've been doing this for a while. And so I just started to take feedback and be like, oh, well, this works. And this had a positive outcome. And this was helpful. I got positive feedback from a client, right, that this worked. So if these are innovative ideas to people who worked at D&B for 20 years, I wonder if I can help other people. So I just started posting. This wasn't a you must do this. This is the only way I'm telling you, or I'm amazing. And here's why I'm amazing. It's just like, hey, next time you get this hurdle, try this. I recently did. It worked hashtag Sam Sales. What's interesting is the first time I used that hashtag, you can see how creative I am. Thank God I'm not in marketing. It's my name and what I do for a living. Um, Sales hacker, our friend May, reached out and was like, oh, you should write for us. And I was like, write everything. And they're like, easy tiger, you can write one article. Let's see how it goes. I'm like, okay. So you think about that, stay in your lane, first of all. If you are in sales, do not wax poetic about what chief revenue officers should be doing, especially if you are a BDR, right? Stay in your lane of expertise and kind of your tenure. I think you can start to poke out by offering ideas or things you learn or say like I was rec- recently listening to this Head of Sales CRO I love this perspective. I think that's one thing that the algorithm has really shifted on LinkedIn is making sure that CEOs of online communities aren't talking about environmental issues or what we should do to solve for COVID. Also, be mindful of your tone. Anything that you write on there, when we get really braggadocious, right, we can do that once in a while when we earn the credibility to do that. If you have raised $100 million, you can brag about it. But Other than that, stay humble and make sure that we're doing something that teaches something every time. Inspiring stories, something of resilience, thought leadership, something. What's the so what of your post? I'll finally say like, but I have 70 something thousand followers and I have duds all the time. I wrote a really insightful, in my humble opinion, post on Monday and it got like 41 likes. I'm like, guys, this is a playbook. Like, hell, right? So LinkedIn is a hot mess of algorithm nonsense right now. Don't sweat it. Just... Keep it up because even if one person reads it and is impacted by it, if you get one like, who cares? I still remember the day I got 10 likes and I was like, um, so just start somewhere.
1: It's the fact that you did it. And that's the most important thing. It's like, hey, it's almost like it's a level of integrity that you have with yourself. I chose to be committed to this and I'm doing it regardless of what the engagement response. And you start to learn what works. You start to develop your voice. You start to learn the framework. You start to learn how to have the stronger hook and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. I th- I'll tell you for most exacts, they feel the exact same way as you. A, who cares about what I have said? What are you even right? Don't know about the algorithm. Don't have the time. Certainly don't have the time to administer it, right? And that's everything that we do on our side. We'll write and interview you and get you all these stories and posts, but. I think the other thing is, even for me, I write all of my own content. I don't manage my account. So the postings are mine. The words are mine. But the administration of it, I think there's almost 60 hours by our team at Sam Sales that go into just administering the stuff in my account. You hire ghostwriters to do PR and content and sponsored content and books and all that stuff. LinkedIn's no different. You just have to get going before everybody catches on.
1: So... We are coming up here on time, and so first off, I just I want to say I really appreciate this. You have not just impacted how I think about the sales and whatnot. You now maybe impacting my catalyst yeah, sales team right here. I so am going to be going thinking about like, oh, all yeah, that- along. So first off, I I just want to acknowledge you. Thank you for your passion. Uh, You did not. You definitely overachieved on what I was expecting from this conversation. Not that my expectations were low, but (laughs) but your knowledge and your ability to both be high level as well as go into the tactics of it. Definitely unique and different. And I really do appreciate that. Thank you. The second thing I'll say is usually... In these conversations, we're talking a little bit more about leadership. This show is called the Rising Leadership Podcast. Sales is such a big part of my, you know, it should be of everybody's life at the end of the day. I mean, no matter what it is that you do. And so I like bridging together both, hey, leadership is still in itself a form of sales. Maybe another form of saying it is leadership is a form of influence. You're still influencing people. Sales is about influence. And so the last question I have for you is this. This show is called The Rising Leader Podcast. My typical question for the person would be, what do you view as the rising leader? I'm going to add one word into it. What do you view as the rising sales leader in today's world, in today's market?
0: Do you mean for my employees or for the deals that we're running?
1: I mean, the corporate sales world is at a massive inflection point today. There is shit changing. Paradigms are shifting. How cultures are being run is changing. How sales are being done is changing. When you think about the sales leader that succeeds, whether it be internally or the organizations that you are supporting and coaching and consulting, who is the new sales leadership that is really rising through
0: I think let's focus on the internal because I think there's so little training on how to be a great leader. And I'll full circle to tell you, think about show me, you know me as it applies to the people on your team. I'll never forget getting a really massive record breaking deal as a sales leader and getting champagne delivered to me after I'd worked for my boss for 18 months. Very nice gesture. The card said something for you and your significant other to drink. Well, He has a name and we've been working together for 18 months. And I suspect as one of your six direct reports, you could know what his name is. I'll never forget it. I have the thank you card saved. What does your team care about? What's happening in their lives? And don't just think about the big things. Just give a shit about the small things. Write it down. One of our reps, her AC busted a couple days ago. So I literally wrote on my calendar, there's only so much room in my brain. Did she get AC back? And I pinged her on Slack like, hey, what's your AC situation? And she's like, how is it possible that someone so busy thinks about that? Or think about just one extra level of question you can ask, right? When somebody sends you pictures of their kids and their Halloween costumes or whatever, ask a little bit more about it. How did you pick it out? Is this a repeat from last year? Did you make these? Just show you give a shit about the people that you're selling to and that reports to you, how inspired they'll be and they'll walk through fire to never work for anybody else again.
1: Mm, it's good. It's real good. And <laughs> why I think it's so good is you're relating it to how you do sales.
0: Yeah. yeah. Just care. People
1: that you give a shit.
0: So <laughs> tough bar, but hopefully we'll get there.
1: And Sam, if people want to get a hold of you, follow you, engage with your content, what is the best
0: way to do so? Say hello on LinkedIn, of course, pop over to samsalesconsulting.com. We have a pretty funny newsletter packed with actionable stuff every single week. But we do a lot of free webinars. So you can work with us and never pay us a dime. Every entrepreneur's dream to come and say hello and uh, give us a the support there.
1: I love it. Well, thank you so much. And for all those listeners, thank you for hopping in here. And if you know somebody who needs to listen to this message, please make sure you share. And with that, have a wonderful day. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Rising Leader Podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button so you get notified every time a new episode releases. If you know someone who wants to take their lives and their career to the next level, send them this episode so we can all rise together. For more information, check out alluviance.co. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, keep letting it flow. This episode is brought to you by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals, sales leaders, and founders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. In the past 12 months, we've thrown four retreats and impacted over 100 Tech sales, leaders, founders I'm not just getting better at the craft, but really working on the inner game, gaining clarity on their vision, and also overcoming what's holding them back. The best part is you'll be doing it in an incredible community of high performers who are also trying to do the exact same thing. Our next immersion is going to be this May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas. And make sure you check out alluvians.co to apply there. Can't wait to see you.